welcome to the Thriving Advisor Show. I'm Ike Ikoku, and together with Nina Venturella, we are co-founders of the Cochinaire Institute and the Seven Figure Mentor Program. We help executives create successful transitions out of corporate life without jeopardizing their current employment and without risk to their family, finances, or future. We launch business consulting practices for our clients and use that as a vehicle to establish their personal brand, their thought leadership, and to monetize their purpose, passion, wisdom, expertise, and experience. This helps them address the problem of how to design a successful transition out of corporate life and into doing something adventurous and fulfilling that allows them to have the kind of impact, influence, and income they desire in this next chapter of their life. We believe that executives who have been thriving in the boardroom with their responsibilities to their current employer can also thrive outside of the boardroom in their post-corporate life. We know that you have relevant experience, expertise, as well as a unique message and or a passion project that can positively impact the world. Stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing daily inspirational podcasts on the planet in the next 15 to 20 minutes. All right, well, let's get into today's show. Hey, 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 good people. Ike Ikoku with the Cochinaire Institute here with another episode of the Thriving Advisors podcast. With me today is Morris Sims. And Morris is a bit of a unique bird in that he transitioned from a chemical engineering profession into the world of insurance, sales, and consulting. So, Morris, welcome to the show. Well, thanks, Ike. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, likewise. So um, how do you like to flip the hat and go from engineering, which takes a completely different skill set, to insurance sales and consulting? Like what led to that transition in your career? Well, I was I was an okay engineer, Ike. I was pretty good. I was moving up in the world, but wasn't having as much fun as I thought I could and wanted to go into sales. And the opportunity came along when I was talking with my insurance agent to speak to his manager. And then started a series of circumstances that uh, led me into the world of sales, which I absolutely adore. And uh, from there into, uh, well, they said, hey, why don't you come over here and teach other people to do what you do? So I became uh, a manager and went into the world of training, wound up retiring after 32 years as the uh, vice president in charge of training and chief learning officer for the company and uh, had a great time. But then I retired and started my own business. That's a whole nother story. And uh, I I have had more fun since I've done that than I have ever had in my entire career. That is awesome. So speaking of retiring and starting your own company, share with us uh, the name of your company and maybe tell us what the biggest problem is you feel like your company solves for your clients. Very good. Uh, the company is Sims Training and Consulting. We also have a podcast. The podcast is The Business of Sales, heading up on our 100th episode. Uh, early in January, we're going to hit that point. So awesome. we're, really, we're excited about that. And um, 
just having a great time doing that. The the podcast is a blast, but the work that I do is mainly with uh, financial services professionals, but all sales professionals, and and trying to help them grow. I you know uh, so many of us in small businesses, even professional salespeople who are employed. Golly, yeah, when you're on a hundred percent commission, you're still running your own business. So I, I work with those folks to help them improve their effectiveness and efficiency around running their business and making more sales so that they can grow revenue and get to what they want. I want to help people get where they want to go. And that's really the uh, the crooks of the whole thing. Awesome. You know, one of the things I share a lot in my business and coaching and consulting with people who are stepping into that entrepreneurial uh, lane is I go, listen, I don't care what the widget is that you sell. I don't care what the product or services that you're bringing out to the marketplace. There's three critical things you have to remember is one, you are first in the belief changing business, right? Second, you are a marketer of whatever widget product or service is that, is, that you're providing to the marketplace. And then thirdly, you're in the uh, relationship management business. So what do you feel like are some of the well-held beliefs about sales uh, that you have to kind of change in the marketplace when you're dealing with your prospective clients? Oh, that's a, a great question. The the whole uh, you know stereotype of the salesperson uh, is something I've fought against for years and years and years and still do to this very day. Yeah. We are professionals. Professional salespeople have a job that is second to none in the world and more important than just about anything else because if a sale is not made, if someone doesn't buy something, the whole economy stops. I mean, we're, we've got this whole supply chain problem right now, right? Yep. And that's going to keep people from buying things, and that's going to be a major problem. But when you don't have someone who can facilitate the sale, even if it's not a one-on-one -on -one direct sale, even if you're walking in and buying a a, a, a thumb drive off of the rack at Best Buy. Mm -hmm. Somebody had to put that together. Somebody had to make it attractive to you. Somebody had to let you know that that was a solution to your problem before you would even go in and buy it. Sales have to be made somewhere along the entire process. Some of us have the joy of being able to help people solve problems, help people find solutions to the things that are bugging them, that are causing them concerns, and then help them make a decision. You know, I, I don't care whether somebody buys or doesn't buy. I just want them to make a decision. Mm. Tell, me, tell me yes or no. Because frankly, there's not one sale that's big enough to make my career or one sale that's big enough to kill my entire career. I've got a career of, of if I'm a good salesperson, I've got a career of 30 plus years. One sale isn't going to make it or break it. So I best be on the side of the table with my client not adversarial in any way, shape, form, or fashion. I'm here to help that client get what they need and want. And if they decide they don't want whatever it is that I'm suggesting, great. Best wishes. I hope you get what you need out of the thing because I need to move on and find somebody I can help. And that's that's sort of the way I look at it. I'm much more of a professional salespeople in general are much more counselors than we are um, the old stereotype of, Hey, come here. I've got a blue widget. You need a blue widget, Ike. I've got blue widgets. You may have a green widget, but I've got a blue widget. Don't you want a blue widget, Ike? Sure. 
you know, that's not what we do anymore in this world. You know, you, you bring up what I call the crisis of indecision with sales, which is a topic that I want to ask you uh, a question about. But before that, you'd said something else early on that I thought was worthy of revisiting, which is the whole idea of making sales attractive. And, you know, you, you use the word sales in any environment or most environments. And by golly, most people would think that you've said a, a dirty five letter word. <laughs> So talking about making sales attractive, how do you do that in an industry that by nature, you know, is almost the antithesis of, of something that's attractive, life insurance? So what do you do to help your clients overcome the lack of attractiveness or perceived attractiveness to the sale of the life insurance? Well, the first thing we do is we, we do walk in with the idea that I'm here to, to be of service and to help you with whatever you need for your own financial planning, your own financial um, systems that you need to, to build for you, your business, your family, and, and how can I help you do that? So it all begins with building a relationship. Like you mentioned it with the three things. It's all about building a business relationship with people because frankly, we buy things and we do business with people that we like. Duh, but it's true. It's absolutely true. If you have a choice between buying a car from somebody that has been nice to you, that has helped you, that has answered all your questions and provided you with information that you may not have had when you walked in the door and somebody that just looked at you and said, yeah, you want a red one or a blue one, which one are you going to do business with? You're going to do business with that first guy, right? Absolutely. Same Same thing's true in anything, including the sale of financial services. So I, I, we do not, professional salespeople do not walk in and say, I, I've got this brand new life insurance policy. You need one. Rather, we walk in and we say, Ike, let me learn a little bit about you and about what you're doing and who you are and what you need. And maybe there's something that we can do to be of service to you and help you get what you want. But in order to do that, I need to get a little information. And, and Ike, the information I'm going to ask you about is very personal but it's also very confidential. No one's going to know anything we talk about unless you choose to let them know. With that understanding, can can we have some conversation here? Yeah, that's a good that's a good setup for sure. Uh, so let's piggyback off of that because you know, regardless of what the sale is, um, in in our space, we often deal with people who are slow to make a decision, who never make a decision, or who just feel um, insecure about communicating, no, I'm not interested. I'm like, there's such power in your no, but let me not get up on a wrong tangent, on a different tangent there. If you've been through Sandler's training as an example, you know, they teach you about upfront contracts, right? So that is one way to try to wet, deal with the crisis of indecision. I'd love for you to, fear, to share if you found additional tips, tricks, strategies to help deal with that whole crisis of indecision. Because like you said, our goal is to help you make the best decision, whatever that is, whether that's working with me, working with somebody else, uh, but make a decision. So what tools or tips can you share if you found that work well to help you know deal with that? I, I like specific choices. Mm-hmm. I like being able to say, Ike, which one of these two or three options which one of these I do you think is the best option for you and your family? And then I let you choose. If you choose A or B, it doesn't matter to me. I just want you to choose one that you think is going to be the best for you and your family 
so that I can help you move forward with that. Which one do you think would be best for you and your family? Well, I like plan A. Great. Then all I'm going to say is I can order to start plan A. I need to get a little information from you. How tall are you? And I begin to fill out a life insurance application. At some point in time, if you don't want to proceed with that, you see me doing it. I'm not, I'm not doing anything you know, underhanded here or, or tricking you into anything. I'm simply doing what, what I just said. In order to start a plan like that, Ike, that you said you wanted for you thought was best for you and your family, I need to get a little information. How tall are you? Or whatever the next question might happen to be. The key is I'm I'm closing without having to ask them to, to do what we don't usually like to do in a sales process, and that is say yes or no. Yeah. We just as soon wait and hang off and, and uh, well, I'm going to make it easy for you. Which one do you think is best for you and your family? Plan A. Great. In order to start a plan like that, I need to get a little information. How tall are you? And I began to fill out that application. You don't have to, to go through the, the process uh, in your mind, and your heart of saying, yeah, that's what I want. Because chances are in the sale of financial services, nobody's going to reach across the desk and grab the pen out of my hand and say, where do I sign? Uh, chances are that's not going to happen. In fact, chances are that's not going to happen in any sales process at any point in time, uh, even buying a car. I love my new car, let's say. I think my my new truck is the best thing since sliced bread. It's going to be wonderful. I'm looking forward to having that red truck. But I'm still not going to reach across the desk and say, okay, now let me see this paperwork. Where do I sign? Yeah. We, we just don't do that. So I want to make it easy for you to say yes. And if you don't want to proceed, all you're going to do is say, gee, Morris, I, I'm not sure I'm really ready to start. Hey, that's great. Not a problem. What, what is it that's on your mind? What You said that was what you thought might be best. What do you think? What's on your mind? What do you think? I, and at which point in time I'm going to help them uh, identify whatever it is that's keeping them from moving forward. And it's it's one of four things, right? Yeah, that's that's sage. That's sage. And I love just even listening to you. There's, there's certain subtleties in just the communication. What do you think? What's best for you? Uh, so you're always kind of putting it back on their on their agenda, letting them letting them feel like they're leading that interaction, so to speak. So, uh, but rather, let's never let's never forget. Let's let's never forget and never let anyone else forget that it is that person who is my client, my prospect, the the person I'm working with. That's the most important person in the room. Yeah, that's the it's not me. It's not me. It's not my boss. It's not my my wife. It's not anybody. It's that person that I'm working for, basically, if I'm a good salesperson, that person I'm working for, the person I'm trying to help, the person I'm trying to, to get to where they need to be. That's the most important person in the room. Not me. Absolutely. You've had the, the benefit of over three decades of being in one particular industry financial <laughs> i don't know you gotta wipe, you gotta wipe the sweat there you've seen a lot yeah you have seen a lot over the years what is the one thing that bugs you the most about our industry that you'd love to see fixed or corrected hmm. boy now that is a very good question i i think it is that that perception of the world that we're all going to be the 
the Herb Tarlicks of the world. Now that dates me even further. Uh, WKRP in Cincinnati, Herb Tarlick was the salesperson, walked in with the, the multi-different plaid sport coat and the tie and just looked like the proverbial used car salesperson, which is a terrible thing to say because the used car salespeople are great folks and they do a good job with what they do. But the, the stereotype, I would love to see that change, but it's not going to change until we change the way we do business. It's up to us as salespeople to change that stereotype and to believe in ourselves as professional salespeople. Sales is a noble profession. It's just as noble as being an attorney or a doctor or, or anything else. If Whatever you want to, want to choose as, an, as a comparison, sales is just as noble a profession because our job is to help you get what you want. Now, if you define the job of a salesperson in any other way, then you get into that, that crazy stereotype. So I believe it's up to us to change that perception height. No, I agree with you. Um, we have to be very intentional about creating the right perception that we want people to have. And it starts with us uh, yep. at Round Roots level. Uh, let's switch things up a little bit and uh, still playing with the theme of the, lo- the longevity in the industry. What would you say has been your greatest accomplishment within mm. your time in our industry? One of the, the things that I was responsible for in my company was the, the folks across the country who uh, were in charge of training the agents on a local level. Mm. And they are some of the most wonderful and caring and giving people I've ever met in my entire life. Uh, I love those people. They are, they are great men and women. And one of the things that I hope I was able to do, Ike, and I, I mean, I'm not the one to answer the question and say I did or I did not, but one of the things that I wanted to do and I hope I was able to do was to raise the, the level of awareness of just how important those folks are and just how good they are at what they do so that they could in, enjoy their position a little more. Uh, at one point in time, years, really decades ago, before my time, uh, that position was more of a, uh, hey, you're the best friend of the, of, the, uh, of the manager, the guy that ran the agency, and you didn't really make it as an agent. Therefore, we're going to make you into this, this training manager role. Uh, we, we stopped that a long time ago. And those folks are only good, successful salespeople who are in that role today. And I hope I was able to help make that a little bit better. We, we did a lot of things over my 20 years in the home office, and uh, including I uh, was a part of the, the group that started the corporate university for our field salespeople and managers. Uh, was part of the group that did the first work toward the virtual classroom, toward webinars and that sort of, that sort of thing, a number of stuff like that. But Really and truly, the one thing or I hope I had the most impact was on the team that I led in the home office, mm-hmm. <clears throat> pardon me, and that wonderful group of people out in the field. Awesome. I know, um, you know, the 32 years you spent at New York Life certainly played a, a significant role in helping prepare you for what you're doing now in your business. Uh, but I'm wondering, the time that you spent as an engineer, do you see any correlation between the work that you did there or even, you know, anything you might have garnered during those years to kind of help prepare you for what you oh, do? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And <clears throat> absolutely. Uh, 
engineering and in fact, most discipline in the bachelor's level education, uh, hopefully teaches you how to think, how to think and how to analyze things and, and how to, to begin to, to look at something and find a solution to problems and, and all of the thinking that goes into it. To, today, I call it thinking on purpose. Uh, very few of us think on purpose. We, we're, you know, I forget the numbers in the old adage, but what is it? Uh, uh, 50% of the people wish they could think or think they could think or, or something. I forget the whole. It's funny when you know it, but um, the, um, the fact is, though, you learn how to think. So as an engineer and in the engineering curriculum, for sure, we are taught how to think and how to analyze things. Well, when I went into the world of financial services, that's what I was doing for my clients. I was helping them analyze their financial situation and see what, if any, of the products that we provide would be of use to them and any service to them and help them in their career. Uh, as I became an executive, and a, well, at first a trainer, same thing was true. It's analyzing an individual's strengths and, and improvement opportunities and then providing a way for them to improve on those those things where they felt like they needed to improve. Hmm. Um, as an executive, that's exactly what, what a good business executive does. They analyze the business that they're in and figure out what the proper strategy is to go forward and grow that business. And that's what I help uh, individual salespeople and business owners do today is analyze their business, determine what it is they want, why they want it, figure out what the proper or best couple of strategies are to use to get from here to there, mm -hmm. and then create a plan, a specific plan that's going to allow them to implement that strategy and grow their business. That's awesome. And we all serve people from different walks of life, but for you, are those two demographics, uh, individual salespeople and business owners, or do those make up your ideal client? Or if you have to share who your ideal client is, what, what does that look like for those who are out there listening and going, hmm, I'm liking what I'm hearing from Morris, I'd love to you know, maybe learn more about what he has to offer. Uh, well, I, I'll work with anybody who needs help. Um, but yeah. I, up to this point in time, I have always enjoyed and, and still enjoy working with professional salespeople, uh, their managers, the, the, the quote unquote, I don't like the title, but the title is still out there in the world, the sales manager. <clears throat> anyway, the, the guys who are trying to lead that group of salespeople, they, they are my clients as well from time to time. I've done several things to work with major agencies and with major insurance companies. I was uh, fortunate enough to work with a, an insurance company in India and got to actually go and spend about a month over a couple of years in New Delhi. Mm -hmm. What an interesting, interesting country India is. And I learned a lot and I found the people there to be just, just wonderfully giving and loving. And uh, I, I, that was a blast. So I've worked with folks from the corporate level all the way through to the level of the people that are out there every day making a sale to help somebody else get what they want. In the meantime, earn a living. And what's the best way for somebody to reach you if they'd like to maybe engage in a conversation to see if you know there's a good fit for you to help them with their needs? Well, my website is morrissims.com. <clears throat> uh, kind of hard to remember, I know, morrissims.com. But anyway, 
the uh, the email address is morris at morrissims.com, and that's Sims with one M. Uh, that works beautifully. Uh, I, 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 I'm an open book. My phone number is 914-482-8714. It's 914-482-8714. Uh, would love to chat with anyone who would like to uh, to discuss their situation and how we might be able to help. Awesome. Thanks awesome. for asking. Yeah, you're very welcome. And then in concluding, I want you to share the best sage advice that you can. So think back to your 25-year-old self, maybe those first three years working as an agent out in the field. If you could share one thing that you feel like could uh, compress the trajectory of growth for that 25-year-old version of Morris, what would that advice be? There's a concept that a friend of mine, Dr. Randy Marshall, uh, has allowed me to work with him on for the past 30 some odd years. <clears throat> and it, it's basically this, I, we only can worry about those things over which we have control. Uh, there are things that you can control and there are things you can't control and you can't worry about the stuff that somebody else is in control of. So you have to really identify what those things are. Randy defined that as the difference between goals and desires. And if we all just could remember that a desire is something that requires somebody else to, to enter into the activity somehow or another, uh, a sale, uh, a sale is a desire. I desire to make a hundred sales this year. Well, that's a desire because somebody out there has to say yes. Somebody out there has to say yes. And in the olden days, stroke a check in order to, to buy that life insurance policy or to buy that car or that that uh, that piece of property, whatever the case may be, those are desires. Goals are things that we have total and complete control over. A goal is something that I and I alone control. So somebody might say, gee, is it a good goal, Morris, to have a great marriage? Well, no, it's a great desire. It's a great desire and one that I think most of us have who are married. I desire to have a great marriage relationship with my wife, Carla, but she has something to say about that, Ike. She enters into that. So it's a desire. It's not a goal. Now, I could have a goal to enhance that relationship because my goal could be that every week I'm going to ask Carla to go out with me, just the two of us, on a date night together. Now, asking Carla to go out on that date, the process of asking and planning the date and having it ready to go and say, honey, would you like to go out with me? We're going to go to Capitol Grill and have dinner. And then there's this movie I thought you might like to see. Would you like to go with me? That's totally under my control. That is a goal. If we can all understand the difference between goals and desires, between what we control and what we don't control and worry about those things we have control over and not all that stuff that comes along that I, I can't control. I can't control the economy. I can't control inflation. I can't control whether or not they change the compensation grid in my company. I can't worry about that stuff. All I can worry about is what I can do today. It's all about my behavior. Love it. I love simple distinctions that just like whoosh, expand upon something you thought you understood 
until somebody like Morris shows up and, and provides that subtle distinction that we need. So Morris has been a pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you so much for the gift of your time to our viewers and the gift of your wisdom until next time, folks, when we have another brilliant episode of the thriving advisors podcast, we wish you well, God's blessings to you. Take care. Bye-bye. Welcome to the Thriving Advisor Show. I'm Ike Ikoku, and together with Nina Venturella, we are co-founders of the Cochinaire Institute and the Seven Figure Mentor Program. We help executives create successful transitions out of corporate life without jeopardizing their current employment and without risk to their family, finances, or future. We launch business consulting practices for our clients and use that as a vehicle to establish their personal brand, their thought leadership, and to monetize their purpose, passion, wisdom, expertise, and experience. This helps them address the problem of how to design a successful transition out of corporate life and into doing something adventurous and fulfilling that allows them to have the kind of impact, influence, and income they desire in this next chapter of their life. We believe that executives who have been thriving in the boardroom with their responsibilities to their current employer can also thrive outside of the boardroom in their post-corporate life. We know that you have relevant experience, expertise, as well as a unique message and or a passion project that can positively impact the world. Stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing daily inspirational podcasts on the planet in the next 15 to 20 minutes. All right, well, let's get into today's show.